have led us in worship today, we continue with a sermon series called Rediscovering Church. And we turn our attention to Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16. I'll read from the New Revised Standard Version. And the title of the sermon is Church Growth. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knitted together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. Let us pray. Lord God, in this preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word. Help them to hear your word. And Lord, help us all to do your word. I pray in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. Fifteen years ago, I preached my first sermon as senior pastor of a wonderful church in a small southern town. Their sanctuary sat about 400, but the attendance on Sundays had dwindled to about 90 to 100 people on average by the time I got there. After this, the first service, I led worship as their senior pastor. Virtually everybody in the congregation came by to shake my hand on the way out the door. Most of them were very nice and upbeat about my being there. But one man shook my hand and said with a long sigh, oh, I hope you're a church-growing pastor. I said, well, uh, I hope we can be a church-growing church together trying to gently indicate that it's everybody's work to help grow the church. And he said again, oh, I just, I hope you're a church-growing pastor. That's what we need. And he walked off. I knew exactly what he meant. He wanted the church to get bigger in terms of worship attendance. The pastor search committee had already told me the church was hoping to grow, to expand, especially in the number of young families involved. This is what most people mean when they talk about church growth, increasing the size of the congregation. Denominational entities at local, state, and national levels often request annual reports from congregations to track these types of metrics. How many new members did you welcome? How many members did you lose? How many total members do you have now? How many are coming to Sunday school? How many did you baptize? How many do you have on average in worship? 
pastors start to think, hey, the bigger my church, the more successful my ministry. So they set out to increase attendance as if it is the only goal of God's church. Some even employ secular marketing strategies to reach a target audience, a particular portion of the population that they really want to attract. Willow Creek Community Church in Illinois did just that, and at one point they had approximately 20,000 people attending every weekend. If you think that's big, the Yoido Full Gospel Church located in Seoul, South Korea has approximately 480,000 members. 480,000. That's bigger than the population of any state, of any city in our entire state. Having more people in worship can be good. It can be great. I love it when we have more and more people attend our Sunday services. But just because attendance is climbing does not mean a church is growing in Christ. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 shows us what true church growth is about. This text is like a garden trellis for churches. It helps us to grow in the right direction. Verses 11 and 12 say God has gifted church leaders to equip the saints so that the congregation can do ministry and build up the body of Christ. My responsibility as pastor and our responsibility among the ministerial staff is to equip you so that you can minister and build up the church. Church growth may begin with the pulpit, but it ultimately depends on the pews. If our church is going to grow toward its full potential, it will require the dedication of every person that worships here. If every member of Second Baptist uses the gifts, talents, time, and resources that God has given us to edify one another within the church and reach out to folks outside the church, our church will grow. As verse 13 says, we will grow to the measure of the full stature of Christ. The Greek term translated measure is metron, from which we get the English word metric. Instead of focusing on metrics, such as the number of people in worship, this passage tracks church growth by the metric of Christ himself. What it means then for the church to grow is for it to grow in Christ-likeness, for the church to grow to be the hands and feet of Jesus on earth. We are to embrace the outcast as Jesus did. We are to lift up the downtrodden as Jesus did. We are to welcome the children as Jesus did. We are to care for the sick as Jesus did. We are to stand for justice as Jesus did. We are to serve the marginalized as Jesus did. We are to speak God's word as Jesus did. We are to embody God's kingdom as Jesus did. And we are to love our neighbors as Jesus did. 
Verse 13 further enjoins us to grow into mature Christians. Not the baby Christians of verse 14 that are tossed about by the whims of this world. A key image in the text is growing from childish Christians into mature disciples who together form the body of Christ. According to our text, God measures church growth not by the breadth of the membership, but by the depth of discipleship. If Ephesians 4 is any indication, God would rather have three people that earnestly follow Jesus than uh, 3,000 that merely believe God exists. God would rather have five uh, people that worship passionately than 5,000 that show up as spectators on Sunday mornings. God would rather have 10 people that share the love of Christ in their everyday life than 10,000 who confine their spirituality to the sanctuary. Growing in Christ means growing up as Christians. It means developing spiritually, maturing in our faith. People regularly devote themselves to growing in other areas of life, such as growing in their schoolwork or their social life, growing as an athlete or a musician, growing as an investor or a gamer, growing as a professional or a parent. As Christians, we devote ourselves to growing in Christ. Some years ago, I was at a restaurant in my hometown, and I saw a couple of teenagers who looked vaguely familiar. I ordered my food and sat down. Then one of them said, are you Noel Schoonmaker? I said, yes, I thought I recognized you, but tell me, how do I know you? She said, well, I'm Jesse, and this is Susie, and we're Joanne's daughters. Joanne was my student council advisor way back in my high school days. At that time, her daughter Jesse was eight, and her daughter Susie was five, yet here they were, all grown up. They had changed so much that I barely recognized them. With growth comes change. Whether it's a little girl or a church, growing entails transformation. If we're not ready for change, then we're not ready for growth. When children grow into adults, their legs lengthen and they get taller. When churches grow up in the Lord, they reach new heights in worship, loving God with heart, soul, mind, and strength. When children grow into adults, their shoulders broaden and they get stronger. When churches grow up in the Lord, they get stronger in fellowship, loving one another despite differences, caring for one another in joys and in sorrows. When children grow into adults, their minds expand and they think deeper thoughts. 
sense. When churches grow up in the Lord, they deepen their theological education, interpreting Scripture carefully, reflecting thoughtfully about how Christian faith relates to modern-day life. When children grow into adults, they gain independence and are able to go off on their own. When churches grow up in the Lord, they go off to serve the community, to bind up the broken, to evangelize the world. The growth process is not always pleasant, however. When I was a little boy, I remember running across a playground one day when suddenly I got a terrible, sharp pain in my knee. It hurt so bad that I had to stop running and hobble for a few minutes it eventually went away but when I got home that day I told my mom and dad about it and they said oh it's probably just growing pains there were many occasions in my childhood when sharp pains in my knees would make me stop wince and hobble momentarily the growing process sometimes involves growing pains Likewise, spiritual growth can be discomforting. When we read something in Scripture that makes us think in a new way and we try to adjust our life accordingly and find out it's hard, it might be a growing pain. When we pray for something over and over again and don't get the answer we want and we realize God might be trying to teach us something, it might be a growing pain pain when we show up at church for worship on Sunday and somebody we've never seen before is sitting in our spot (laughs) it might be a growing pain when Sunday school is not as relaxing as it used to be because Some of the people we don't know as well and new people are coming and folks are sharing different Christian perspectives than than we hold and we're starting to wonder and iron sharpens iron and we're thinking in new ways. It might be a growing pain. In fact, one of my responsibilities as pastor is to preach and teach and lead in such a way that inflicts growing pain. Some churchgoers refer to this as the preacher, quote, stepping on their toes. One lady at a church some years ago said to me, Pastor, now I want you to step on my toes sometimes, just don't break my foot. Back at the church where that man said to me, I hope you're a church-growing pastor, we actually experienced tremendous growth in our average worship attendance as we welcomed a number of new young families into the congregation. One Sunday in particular, we had a big crowd in Sunday worship, and at the end of the service, three families with young children all joined the church at once. People were so excited leaving the sanctuary, they were pumped as they shook my hand on the way out the door on cloud nine, everybody that is except for for one woman. She waited until everybody else had left, and I was standing at the door by myself. And she came over to me and said, I see we had several new members today. 
I said, yes, I'm grateful. She said, well, you know what that means, don't you? You need to start stepping on our toes more. And she walked out the door. Now, at first, I got to tell you, my reaction was exasperation. We need a church growing pastor, they say. And here come doubling worship attendance, new families joining. And now all I'm hearing is, well, you really need to be stepping on our toes more. You know, my first thought was, this is just one of those leadership things. You can't make everybody happy. Somebody's always upset about something. But over time, I have come to hear the woman's comment as evincing genuine concern for authentic church growth. The pastor is not to make faith sound as easy and breezy as possible so that everybody will want to come to church. The pastor is to help the church grow to the measure of the full stature of Christ. And sometimes that requires challenging believers to go deeper calling for transformation, summoning repentance, provoking fresh thoughts, stretching the congregation to grow and mature in faith, you know, stepping on people's toes. It reminds me of a verse I've heard referenced in many conversations about church growth, Matthew 4:19, where Jesus calls us fishers of people. Yes, we are to share the gospel in our lives. Yes, we are to invite people to come to church with us. Yes, we are to live in such a way that people are drawn toward Christ our Savior. But what exactly does Jesus say in that verse? He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Discipleship is the priority Following Jesus is the first objective. As we do that, he makes us fishers of people. After all, the Great Commission in Matthew 28 does not tell us to go and make converts of all nations or go and make spectators of all nations or go and make consumers of church content of all nations. It tells us to go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus wants us to follow him earnestly, deeply, thoughtfully, actively, and to bring others along. He wants the church to go deep, then wide. In this approach, the church grows like a tree. In order for a tree to reach new heights, it must grow in its depths. If a tree is to branch out, it must grow roots. Only the foundation of an expansive root system can uphold a tall, sprawling tree. Likewise, only the roots of a deep, strong, growing discipleship can uphold a sprawling church. The deep growth of the root system is not always visible but it's nonetheless vital. If we grow in our roots, then we'll be ready to branch out like never before. We all have 
the responsibility for growing our church. Verse 16 says, Every part of the body of Christ must work properly and build up the church in love. That's how God measures church growth. Not by the breadth of our attendance, but by the depth of our love. Ephesians says to speak the truth in love. It says to live in love as Christ loved us. It talks about being rooted and established in love. As we grow deeper in our love for God and love for neighbor, We'll be ready to branch out in powerful new ways. As we embody the love of Christ together in Christian community, we'll be ready to receive more and more people into our church. Back at that same church where the man said, I I hope you're a church-growing pastor. And the woman said, you know what that means? You really need to be stepping on our toes more. There was a lady in town thereafter who began to worship with us on Sundays. She did not have much background in church at all. She did not dress like the other worshipers. She did not have much money. In fact, she lived a pretty rough and tumble life. But the church embraced her just like anybody else, and she became involved, and over time, she was a fixture in our congregation. One day, she called me out of the blue to express her appreciation for our church, and I wrote down what she said that day because I did not want to forget it. You give it all, she said, out of your heart, out of your love. You have touched my soul. She went on to add, I've never been so happy in my life being at that church. I just love my church. That's my church. I've never seen nobody love people like y'all love people. Now that is a sure sign of authentic church growth. Amen. All who have faith in Christ are welcome to share with us in the bread and the cup. Let us prepare our hearts to remember with faith the death of our Savior.